This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, June the 9th. And our top story is something we spoke about actually last week, and it continues to be a major issue. Filling up your car just keeps on getting more expensive. It's now thought it'll cost around £100 to fill up an average size family car. It's led to a Kent campaigner again urging the Chancellor to intervene. It's Someone we heard from last week, and let's hear again from Howard Cox, who's from the Cranbrook-based Fairfuel UK. We've managed to get a freezing duty uh, for for most of the last decade. And he even got a cut in fuel duty in the March uh, spring statement, but none of that uh, fall has been seen at the pumps. Uh, and this is what's worrying at the moment in time: the government are not in control of the the cost of fuel, and it, these prices are crippling businesses, crippling small businesses, and changing behaviour of people who are now. In, in some cases, uh, uh, we're being told that uh, uh, they're not attending medical appointments because they can't afford to fill their tanks to get to hospitals. Firstly, we need a big cut in fuel duty that actually makes a difference, uh, something like 20p at least at the moment in times. If we had that, we'd be in line with some of the European countries in terms of average uh, fuel tax take. And don't forget, the government have actually are wallowing in a huge amount of uh, extra VAT from the, these uh, high prices. They're benefiting incredibly from that. And they're also putting a windfall tax on oil companies. So they've got something in, in, the, in the region of £8 billion of extra money to play with, which is equivalent to about a 20p cutting fuel duty. Secondly, and this is very, very important, is to stop the opportunistic profiteering in the fuel supply chain, which has been going on for decades. It's not the retailers, it's not the garage forecourt owners. These guys are actually on contracts and working on very thin margins. It's further up the fuel supply chain, and that's why we want a body introduced called Pump Watch. And not so long ago, a couple of weeks ago, Boris Johnson actually did actually say he was very angry uh, with regard to the fact the fuel duty uh, cut in March wasn't passed on to drivers. And he, 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 he through Grant Shapps, has asked me to put together a plan uh, how Pump Watch would work. And uh, hopefully we can get that moving very shortly. And finally, we do need a competitions and market authority inquiry to find out what is happening in fuel supply chain to get to the bottom of when oil prices change, you know, they go up by $3.00. What happens at the pumps you know, a week later? And equally, when they come down by $3, what happens to the pumps uh, a week later? Because they never match uh, at all in terms of when they go up and they come down. The government are out of touch as usual, and they're not on top of this whatsoever. They should be policing the fuel supply chain, uh, just like we police uh, uh, energy bills and communications bills with Ofcom and Ofgem. We need some consumer price protection uh, for 37 million drivers. So the typical price per litre for unleaded has reached 182.3 pence, and it's even more expensive for diesel. Cabinet Minister Michael Gove has not ruled out further government help to ease the situation, but we'd love to know today what you think. How is it affecting you? You can comment on our socials and indeed would like to know what you think should be done about it. Is Fuel Watch, something that Howard is suggesting, a good idea? Will a cut in duty help? You can just search for Kent Online on Facebook and Twitter to have a say. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a motorcyclist has died following a crash near the M2. Emergency crews, including the air ambulance, were called to Park Pale, not far from Shaun Country Park, yesterday afternoon. 
afternoon. A man in his 20s was pronounced dead at the scene. We're told no other vehicles were involved. A driver, meantime, has been caught going the wrong way down the M20 near Ashford. Police were called to the London-bound carriageway yesterday morning and say they spoke to the driver who's been reported for a traffic offence. Dame Emma Thompson has criticised the government's plan to send some asylum seekers who've arrived in Kent in small boats to Rwanda. The actress has an adopted son from the African country and says the UK cannot put up walls. The Home Office says the policy fully complies with international and national law and will deter people from crossing the channel. More than 10,000 have made the dangerous journey so far this year. Dame Emma says the policy is at odds with the values of British people though. The Rwanda scheme is (laughs) sort of eye-wateringly mad and um, callous. You know, we're exhibiting a callousness in government that I don't think reflects the soul of this country and the nature of the people in this country. I really don't. A man's been charged following a stabbing in Rochester. The victim, who's in his 20s, remains in hospital after being seriously injured in Crow Lane last Saturday. The 22-year-old suspect is due in court. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A warning, this is perhaps one of the most shocking and disgusting stories we've had on the podcast. A shop owner has spoken about the moment he discovered a woman had defecated on the street outside. Colin White runs Quartermasters on the old High Street in Folkestone and initially thought a large dog had fouled by the building when he arrived to open up. After cleaning up, he decided to check the store's CCTV. Well, Jamie, he must have been pretty shocked by what he saw. Yes, well, as you say, Colin thought someone hadn't cleaned up after their dog and he was actually looking at the footage to see if he could spot the animal and its owner. It was only then he realised it was human waste. He's told online that seeing the woman do that in the middle of the street was an incredibly bizarre thing to witness. He says it happened about 10 at night and about a metre away from a bin. He's gone on to describe it as a harrowing start to the morning. Told you, not very nice at all. I'm sure you don't want to see it, but we do have the CCTV footage within the story at Kent Online. An Ashford man who was diagnosed with Parkinson's in his 40s says he's getting bored and fed up after spending a year in a care home for the elderly. Elderly. Lee Todd is now 51 and was only meant to be at Braybourne Care Centre for six weeks, but delays to paperwork being done mean he's still there. He says he's been placed in a top floor room despite being in a wheelchair and struggles to get out. The county council say they would not admit anyone into an unsuitable care setting. The chief exec of Thanet District Council is leaving her role with immediate effect. Madeline Homer faced calls to step down last year after a report revealed a culture of bullying and intimidation at the authority. A decision on who will replace her is expected to be made at a full council meeting next month. A mum and her two children have been left trapped for almost an hour in a pitch black lift after it broke down at a Kent railway station. This is one of our most read stories today and it must have been terrifying. The 27-year-old is now calling for the facilities at Faversham to be replaced after no one heard their shouts or responded to the alarm. Just the thought of it makes me feel a little bit ill. Well, her daughter's screams of panic did eventually alert staff who managed to prise open the doors and free them. Southeastern has apologised and say they're looking to upgrade the lifts at the station. Kent Online.
Headline Reports. The Children's Commissioner has been in Kent as part of a major review into what makes a successful family. Dame Rachel D'Souza has been asked by the government to look at how mums, dads, grandparents and children are coping following the pandemic. Now, she's been to a nursery in Aylsham to find out how people view the family setup these days and what could be done to support them. She's been speaking to Jamie from our colleagues at KMTV. We're doing all sorts of research, but we're also getting out and talking about family um, with all different settings today is important because we're talking to the very youngest and their parents asking them what do families need now what do families need to thrive and what does family mean to them um, and what is it about this nursery here in Elsham that uh, made you want to come here? So I've heard fantastic things about Sunshine Corner Nursery in Elsham. Um, so Neil Leach, who runs this whole group, said this is the one to come and see. It's incredibly popular. They're very focused on play. You've got happy children coming back after the pandemic, having a fantastic experience here. Um, and we wanted to come here and see the children and also talk to their parents about you know, how we can better help parents with young families. What do they need in terms of childcare, support, what could be better, what's working um, but we really wanted to come and see this excellent practice in this nursery today. So what is it that you're, what kind of data are you really hoping to gather here today? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're um, what I want to see is an excellent nursery in practice. So we've talked, we've done research on families right across Britain and asked them what family means to them. And what I can tell you is a huge percentage are saying family is actually the bedrock of their, uh, of their lives and their community is really important to them. Places like this are at the heart of that community. And the kinds of questions I want to be asking are about you know, are we doing enough in terms of childcare? What more might parents need? What are, what's on parents' minds, parents with young children? Mm -hmm. um, and you spoke briefly about um, the pandemic. Do you think that the pandemic has had um, a lasting effect on the development of children? So I've been here asking that question today. And what we're seeing are some speech and language issues, especially with the youngest. But, you know, provision like this enables those children to get back to normal and get ready for the next stage of their development as quickly as possible. So colleagues here have talked to me about how some babies were born, you know, and really hadn't had a chance to interact with others. So that's been a, a major sort of development issue um, and also speech and language with the youngest. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's places like here and really good nursery education that is going to, you know, really help these children thrive and put that behind us. Um, and do you think um, there were some calls yesterday um, from Labour that, that there needs to be more funding in, in education just for children to catch up on what they've missed? Do you would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so I've worked really hard with government and with parliamentarians and right across the piece and, and head teachers and educators about what we need to do for children to catch up. I did a major survey, the Big Ask survey. Over half a million children in England, including from Kent, responded to that survey, and they told me their priorities were their mental health, mental well-being catch up life at school getting back to school and places to go things to do and play um, so I think catch up and really you know thriving in their education is really critical we call for funds for that we've had there's obviously been five billion put into it um, 
Look, no amount's ever going to be enough and I think it's really important to thank all the professionals for all they're doing you know, to ensure that children are getting the best chance at catch-up and the best possible education. The review is going to take six months to carry out. A large survey that you might have heard Dame Rachel refer to there has already been done as part of it. Interestingly, it found that a third of parents don't think they spend enough time with their family, most of those blaming that on work commitments. An interesting one. You can let us know what you think again by commenting via our socials. A cannabis farm's been uncovered by police in Canterbury. More than 60 plants were found inside a property in St Martin's Hill on Tuesday. Bags of harvested cannabis were also discovered. An investigation is now underway. Police in Sevenoaks have released CCTV images of a man they're looking for after someone who'd been hiding behind bushes tried to touch a woman. He's also alleged to have exposed himself near the Otford High Street in the past week. You can see images by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online reports. There's a warning today that children with special educational needs in Kent who are being homeschooled are falling through the cracks. Figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show 465 youngsters in the county are SEN and being taught at home, while just 193 have an education health care plan in place. Now, Kelly Grian is a Labour County Councillor in Dartford, and she's been calling for improved support for hundreds of families. She's been chatting to Jadzia from our colleagues at KMTV. Well, I think the first thing to say is there's problems for SEN children and their families throughout the system, throughout every system in Kent. So from the point of diagnosis or from the point of realising there is a, is a problem the child has, um, parents are let down in my experience. So children find it very hard to get a diagnosis. This can take years, um, which for a child who maybe is two or three, that's catastrophic. Then there's a problem in finding a placement for them throughout the school system. So whether that be a, a primary school or secondary school, the problem continues. For a lot of families, this is incredibly painful and incredibly stressful because when your child is in a provision that you know is not suitable for them, every day is painful deciding whether or not to send them to a place that you know is harming them. And I feel that uh, the pressure that's placed on a lot of SEND families is absolutely um absolutely indescribable it's something that's very difficult uh, there isn't enough support for families and actually I would say some families are treated um, are treated very badly almost like they're trying to get something that's unfair when in my experience all everybody wants is for their children to have what any other child would have which is an education that's suitable for them. Do you think that it's a case of we need to make um, mainstream secondary schools more inclusive to SEN children or do you think there need to be more more centres available for children um, um, for specifically designed for children with special educational needs. What sort of what what actually can be done to tackle this? Well, I think both things are really important and both need doing. So I think for any child who's going through the diagnosis um, that sorry for any child going through the the diagnostic kind of process, they need provision that's suitable for them for that point. And actually, I think that a lot of families find that period very difficult where their children are in a mainstream school, which isn't suitable for those children. And a lot of cases are, I'd really wonder what harm would be done by making some mainstream schools more inclusive. And actually, in fairness, schools go out of their way, in my experience, to try and be more inclusive. But because of the kind of cuts we've had in recent years to funding and the kind of lack of provision that exists throughout the school system now, that's very, very difficult. Uh, Particularly, we're talking about numbers a lot of children would really benefit from having a one-to-one support in the classroom with them and for financial reasons that often isn't possible but equally I think a lot of parents feel their child would be better off in a, in a, in a 
uh, in a setting that's more individualized and suitable for their child's needs. So I think we need both. We need more inclusivity in the mainstream system for a number of reasons, not just special needs, but also mental health problems. Um, a lot of children are going through things at home that they need support with and schools end up picking up all of that work. If it doesn't go somewhere else, it goes, goes to school. So schools are supporting children for a lot of very difficult situations that they're not necessarily resourced to do. And then I think the special needs settings need to be there. I think there's a massive problem in Kent that they just aren't there. So children end up going all over the county. Um, I know children in my in my ward in Dartford who go to school every day in Dover, which is a very long journey. Um, very, very difficult, difficult journey for a you know, young child twice a, twice a day and obviously very expensive, but that's the nearest provision they could get into. And uh, I think if we spend a lot of money on, on, on special needs settings and schools that really work, it saves the, the state a lot of money later on because those children are then uh, ready to go out into the world when they get to 16, 18 or, or 21. So I think the financial arguments are very sound for having the special needs schools. The County Council have told us robust measures are being taken to review the support that's being delivered. A former bingo hall in Medway is going to be turned into flats. The building on Chatham High Street was the largest of its kind in Kent when it opened, but closed in 2020 because of the pandemic and has now been bought by a developer. It's not known yet how many apartments it'll be transformed into, but if you head to the website today, you can read about the history of the site there. A secret buyer, meantime, has snapped up Tum Bridgewell's golf club to stop the land being redeveloped. There were rumours the council would try to buy the site and build an education facility, while others feared it would be turned into housing. The new owner, who wants to stay anonymous, is promising to protect it. And finally today, a food hall company is going to open a new restaurant and shop on the Kent coast. McNaid have announced plans to move into the harbourside development at the Folkestone Harbour Arm. It'll be able to seat up to 120 people with a range of local produce on sale. Kent Online Sport. Cricket first and Kent Zach Crawley has kept his place in the England squad for their second test against New Zealand. He scored a total of 52 runs in the first match which England won. Play gets underway at Trent Bridge at 11 tomorrow morning. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu has pulled out of next week's Birmingham Classic but seems likely to play at Wimbledon. The 19-year-old from Orpington had to retire injured from her Nottingham Open match on Tuesday. She says she'll be back soon to enjoy the rest of the grass court season though. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, all you need to do is subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, head to the What's On pages to read our review of Noel Gallagher's gig at Margate's Dreamland last night. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.